0: Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of College Football's Last Call. This podcast is powered by the J Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football.
1: What's up, everybody? Another week of College Football in the Books, and I hope everyone is doing well. I gotta tell you guys, I'm doing exceptionally well. Being a Georgia sports fan right now is just... It doesn't get any better. I mean, the dog Saturday night, we were recording this on um, Tuesday after one of the best, if not the all time best baseball games I've ever witnessed. Gans, you were there. Um, You know, the the recording deal, we'll publish this probably Thursday. Who knows what's going to happen the rest of the series. But my God, dude, it's a good time to be alive. How are we doing tonight, boys?
0: So I am, I'm currently in enemy territory right now. I'm in Philadelphia for a emergency medicine conference. And I was at dinner last night. I leave dinner. I look at my phone. It is the fifth inning. We're being no hit. And I'm like, what in what in God's name is happening? Uh, end up at a bar. Catch the end of the game. Uh, I was cheering very loudly and uh, just trying to not get my ass kicked. But it was a great game to watch. It was fun to be in enemy territory. But I can't wait to get back to Atlanta tomorrow night. Last night was a tale of two different games basically
2: it, it was a funeral up until the sixth inning to the point where uh, kevin shea loyal listener and i went to the game together discussed leaving to go to the battery and go to the bar if it when they were up for nothing if they had scored another one we were gonna leave and fortunately we didn't from the sixth inning on that place was absolutely electric i can't ex i can't describe how electric the atmosphere was and I said to you guys and some other friends on a group chat last night, I put yours up against any other ballpark in October baseball. It was amazing. And it re-
0: I, it registered on the Richter scale last night. Like there was many earthquakes in Cobb County.
2: Yeah, I I threw my sunglasses from the the deck to the deck below us uh, after um, uh, <laughs> Riley hit his home run.
1: There are some days where I thank Al Gore more than others for inventing the internet, and some days I thank Elon Musk more than others, for having his ex or Twitter, whatever they're calling it these days. Today's one of those days. And last night was one of those days. I cannot tell y'all how many times I have watched replays of the Harris play of the Riley home run in different languages, at different angles, from video game feeds. I, I really, guys, I can't get enough of it. I think I've got a problem. I need to go somewhere and talk it out because I'm still watching it 24 hours later. But uh, anyway, this is a college football show. Uh, we don't spend too much time talking about the Braves off the heels of the dogs, just dismantling um, Kentucky dominant performance, the performance that frankly us dog fans had been kind of waiting for all season. Uh, 51 to 13. Couldn't draw it up any better. Lawrence, do uh, you enjoy that as much as we did?
0: I'll tell you um, honestly, it was what I was expecting. Um, one of the things we talked about last Sunday when, you know, we were doing our, our, or week five recap or whatever it was. Uh, we all said that Kentucky felt like a little bit of a sucker bet, and I, I thought the dogs were going to get healthy and take care of business. I did not expect a 50-burger, which was just awesome. Um, Carson Beck started, what, 13 of 13. Ra Ra Thomas with that crazy catch in the end zone. Um, and the dogs, we flexed our muscle like we know that we can, and it was great to see. Uh, a lot of guys stepped up, getting healthy. Uh, I enjoyed that game tremendously. I'll just say about damn time.
2: That's the team that we expected. That's the team that they showed their potential. They showed why they are the number one team in the land. They showed their identity, which their identity this year is a pass first team. We're we're not used to that under the, you know, with Kirby Smart as the coach. And then that's not a knock-in way. But our identity has always been defensive team first, or uh, you know, pound and ground and, and and run to open up the pass. The pass is going to open. It did on Saturday. The the passing game opened up the running game. We got uh, Kendall Milton who came back who I I've, I've taken you know, made comments about before. I thought he looked great. Uh, Dejan looked like Dejan, and even you know, Andrew Paul when he came in. Granted, it was mop up duty. He looked really good. He's intriguing to me, and, and the reason I say that is. We talked about the fact earlier in the season that we don't have a Kenny Mack, a James Cook, someone that you think you could split out, run some receiver routes, and he looks like you could have that potential. Uh, So I'm really excited about his future.
1: So I was up in Athens on Saturday at the game. Uh, Atmosphere was incredible. Uh, Special thanks to Michael Goldberg and Freed Goldberg for uh, providing us tickets to the game. Um, You know, Athens, it's a... It's kind of a, a new vibe there. People are just very comfortable. People are very confident. Um, people expected to do exactly what happened. There was no nervousness like we felt in years past with, you know, big games um, like this was with two ranked teams. People just knew they'd take care of business. And from the jump, that's what it was. Place was bumping Saturday night. Um, there's not much you can ask for really more, more in a game. Brock padding his stats even more with some – uh more Heisman numbers. Um, You mentioned Ken, Kendall Milton. I'm glad you did because you're right. We give him some shit, but he did well, and he deserved to, to get it. Um, the praise, the rushing distribution that we mentioned so much about was pretty even. A lot of folks got some carries. Uh, a lot of folks caught balls. A lot of people had touchdowns. Everybody just felt good. The defense, you know, last week y'all said, what, 280 their running back got. This week the whole team got, like, what, 55 Kentucky. Um, 608 yards of total offense to 183 yards yeah that that's bananas um and then you know i don't want to jump ahead about clowns for the week but uh stoops is a clown did you hear his statement about well you know the, the key to success is just to buy players and george just buying players it's no dude we're just better than you we're better than everybody and everybody sees it now everybody's like okay george is number one it's funny how week to week moods and attitudes can change and now everybody's kissing George's ass and uh, that order is restored
0: yeah hope- uh, on top of that was Stoops I, I think his team showed a lack of discipline as well early on I mean they were moving the ball the first couple drives uh they had a big lineman who had a holding that stalled the drive and then on the next drive they were moving and he did a uh, Randy Macho man flying elbow on the back of Cedric Van Pran and got a personal foul and got that called back like that's just stuff that, that kills you. And that that is coaching. Like that's the one thing Kirby prepped these guys. I was reading earlier that Kirby said, these guys are going to play dirty. Don't respond. They're going to take cheap shots. Don't respond. He always emphasizes composure, physicality, and composure. Uh, and that's a sign of, of a well-coached team, which we are, and Kentucky is not. I'll just touch on Cedric Van Pran
2: real quick. Poor, poor guy. He got that flying elbow drop. He got the blindside block after the play, which was really stupid on on Kentucky. That was another 15 yards. And then the poor guy got injured in the second half. He did come back in, thankfully. I'd say I have nothing to complain about from that game last weekend. Every week we watch it, and you can nitpick, and you could be hypercritical, and maybe that's the point of the show, right, to really talk through all these things. There was nothing to complain about. The offensive line I thought was fantastic. Carson Beck had all day back there. Not to take anything away from Carson Beck, but again, when he has a clean pocket, that guy – carves dudes up and uh Marcus Rosemary Jackson he's what's the expression he's a lunch pail guy he just comes to comes to work and does his job what a great game that he had Brock is Brock I, we could talk about Brock for, for two hours so huh? I won't because we already hit it the team looked fantastic defense looked great Jamon Dumas Johnson who has been catching some grief from some people looked fantastic he had two sacks he had a couple pass defense no complaints at all we, we got to mention it. The kicking game was absolutely fantastic. I loved when we rushed um, Woodring on uh, at, at the end of the first half of four seconds left. We scored a touchdown. We went back. We stopped them. We used our timeouts wisely, got the ball back, and, and got three right before the half. It well coached. Bobo called a fantastic game. Um, A-plus
0: effort all around. And the only – I'll give one negative. Play like that every week. That's all <laughs> I want. Yes. Bobo was definitely in his bag man. He called a great game. Beck executed. Uh you know what the only thing I'm going to complain about was there was that BS roughing the passer call which extended a drive allowed Kentucky to score. Uh not on the dogs, that's on the zebras. Uh, but man, we looked we looked damn good. The, the Bobo discussions
1: and narratives, that's a, a, another funny thing that, you know, kind of changes from week to week and now there's no the you know, there, there's there's no calling for his head anymore. Um but look, I think the play calls have probably been the same in terms of things that have been open and and Beck is just getting more comfortable now to make those throws and the governor's kind of off and and let's roll. That's kind of how I see it. Let let us roll. So good for Beck, really happy for him. He's living up to what we had at the beginning we thought he could do. Um all right, OU Texas, very intriguing game I thought. Um OU looked good, man. They looked fast. Uh their quarterback Gabriel, the uh the Southpaw moving up and down the field. Um Jason, you talked a lot about previewing that game last week, so I'll, I'll give you the, the the first kind of chance to talk about it. But uh, you know, OU came to the end, took down Texas. Maybe they're maybe they're not
2: all the way back. But what do you think? You, you still want thunder? This so, Texas back should be a question mark after it. Um, it was a really exciting game, enjoyable. I watched most of it. Texas just decided in the second half that they didn't want to play defense at all. The speed that OU ran out there with was uh, insane. It looked like the old, you know, the Big 12 teams, no defense, just hurry up, get out there. The way, how easily they scored to the point at that last drive, I was like, wait a second, they're going to leave too much time on the clock here. They they need to, uh, they need to slow it down a bit. I think, I don't think OU's all the way there. Look, they played really well on, on, on uh, Saturday. I don't see them as a, as a playoff team. They're going to lose to somebody. I think Texas will lose again. And, and In fact, I, somebody fact-checked me, but I believe both the ACC and the Big 12 this year, it's just the top two teams. There's no divisions anymore than the top two teams play in the, uh, the championship game. So I suspect you'll see Texas and OU play again in Jerry's World on December
0: 2nd. Be an interesting game. Um, I'm going to be a little bit contrary on that because I actually don't think OU looked – as good as you think they did. I think they won a game where Texas turned the ball over three times. Uh, the other thing that surprised me a lot was Texas was going in their bag early with a bunch of shenanigans and trick plays. Like, line up, play football, run it down your throat. It's like, who, if you need to get that desperate early on, uh, you're trying to mask or cover some things up. It was an exciting game. I think OU is good, not great. They're going to play each other again. Um OU will probably slip up along the way, and they'll probably both have two losses at some point. Yeah,
1: I, I, mean, I, 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 well, I left that game um, kind of excited that these two teams are going to be in the SEC next year, truthfully. Um, it kind of got me looking forward to having some new blood coming in, some new rivalries, playing those teams more often. That That was my big takeaway.
2: Yeah, they're fantastic additions, Lawrence. I don't think I was going to say with you. Yeah, Texas did turn the ball over three times, but they also blocked a punt for a touchdown. You know, so, uh, you know, it'd be great to have them. I'm excited. Next year, we're going to Austin. We um, don't know when we're going to Austin. That's, I don't know why the SEC is sitting on this and hasn't announced the dates. And I don't know if they're still trying to figure it out, uh, but we'll be in Austin next year. And I will certainly be there. I think you guys had some interest in going. It's a fun town. I'd love to, I don't think Norman, Oklahoma is as fun, but um, love to check it out at some point, too. So excited to have them join the conference
1: some interesting foreshadowing in last week's episode where we we gave Georgia Tech a couple minutes of airtime you know they probably got their 3 minutes of the sh- of the show which they hadn't gotten all year long and lo and behold week 6 brought Georgia Tech in the headlines um some for dumbass coaching moves by their opponent but others for them executing at the end so um gosh what a crazy game that was huh
0: I love it. Gans, Gans gives Brent Key the Jimbo of the week. And then, and then uh, Mario Cristobal says, hold my beer. Um, I mean, <laughs> what an ending to that game. I, 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 it's inexplicable of the coaching malpractice that took place by Miami in that game. But hey, good on the jackets. It's always fun to see our friends uh, in Midtown, uh, North Avenue, get a win that they, uh, they steal from the Jaws of Defeat. I was watching the Arizona-USC game, and maybe
2: this is a segue into it, and um, Arizona was beating the hell. Was it Arizona-USC? Yeah, Arizona-USC. Arizona was beating the hell out of out of USC, and uh, then I, I put the Tech game on. I'm like, oh, this game's over. There's a minute left or whatever there was. So I flipped it up, went back to Arizona-USC, fell asleep, woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and I wanted to see who won the Arizona-USC game. So I, I grabbed my phone, looked at it, and, and USC won 43-40 and then looked, and I maybe had a few too drinks. I was like, holy shit, there's no way Georgia Tech won this game. It, it, it's impossible. That being said, I, I'm going to jump ahead here. There's no suspense this week. I, I mean, Merrick Cristobal is the Jimbo of the week. There's no second and third. I, I, I can't even hold it till then. He should have been fired on the field. They should have fired him on the field. They shouldn't have let him go back to the locker room. The worst part about all of this besides the absolutely putrid coaching decision, this is the second time he's done it. He did it at Oregon, where they fumbled the ball. They were playing Stanford. They fumbled it. Instead of taking a knee, they fumbled it, and then they lost in overtime. He should have been fired. There's no excuse for him to have a job today.
0: Is uh, is, is is Coach Prime currently on uh, Dan Radakovich's speed dial down in Coral Gables? I mean, I, 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 I question uh, Radikovich because
2: I wouldn't have let ball go into the locker room. I would have killed him on the field in front of everyone.
1: There, there are some fundamental parts of football. One of which, taking a knee, victory formation is the best play you can ever run, and why the hell you would try to avoid it? I, I just don't understand. And I haven't heard his presser to know what his answer was. I really hope one of those hard-hitting Coral Gable reporters from whatever
2: their news station is down there asked him. What did he say? I screwed up. I should have done. I should have taken a knee. That's what uh, – well. Well, he got there. He started with, you know, we practice. We we practice these plays at the end of the game, and I think he probably saw the uh, "you're full of shit" look on every reporter's face in the room, and that he just, you know, he fell on his sword. But I, I don't care. There, you you should he should have been fired. They should have said, you know, thank you for your service. Uh, next man up. Yeah, got crazy, got,
1: crazy. But the second part about that is. Um, you compound the mistake by then letting tech go 70 yards in two plays yeah. and and having them not with a Hail Mary, but with letting a receiver get behind the defense. So <laughs> it's it, stupid on top of stupid Jimbo of the year. We might have to just shut this segment down and just in perpetuity. Yeah. It's Cristobal. There'll
0: be a, a weekly Jimbo and an annual Mario award <laughs> going forward. Mario has been on, he's been on the podium before, uh, yeah.
2: But that was just egregious. It, it, there's, that by far uh, this year is by far the worst coaching. It's probably the worst coaching decision I've ever seen in my life.
1: So leading into the Georgia game was Bama AM, and which I always like that game. I think I said it last week. I always like it in in uh, in Aggie too. Um, Alabama got the win. I mean, they're now in the front, you know, front runners for the SEC West. They got kind of a clear path to Atlanta. Um, Milro kind of looked pretty good. What you guys got on that game?
0: You know, you else looked good in that game uh, from a football perspective. Was our boy Jermaine Burton? He had a career game, but he also pulled some bonehead and moves himself, and probably put himself uh, in contention for a Jimbo just with his on-field behavior. Um, listen, B- Bama is, as we mentioned earlier in episodes, they're they're a, they're a team that's gelling as well. It is an old-school saving team. They're going to win. They're going to win ugly. They're going to rely on their defense. Um, you know, that being said, I still think they have a weak offensive line and, uh, AM will find ways to lose games because Jimbo is Jimbo. Um, you know, there's, they're, they're going to Tennessee this weekend. I'll be very curious to see how they rebound, but, uh, you can't have confidence in them going into any single game because of the man in charge. Yeah, actually, I actually agree with that Lawrence. Very
2: rarely do we agree on a lot of things. <laughs> I think I disagree. I do agree with your take on Jimbo. I watched a lot of that game as well. Uh, the first half. Bama looked like a 9-3, 10-2 team to me. Uh, the second half, their, their performance was impressive. I have zero confidence in Jalen Milrow to uh, win a big game against a really good team when when the spotlight's on him. Burton looked great. Their offensive line is terrible. Milrow runs around back there. He takes six sacks a game. The guy, I actually thought he was dead at one point in the first half, and he's, somehow he got back up. You know, are they the best team in the SCU Maybe, but I still think, I still contend they're going to lose another game. Uh, and you're going to have a, uh, it's going to come down to the last week of the season, Thanksgiving week, to see who's representing the SEC West in in Atlanta.
1: I got a question. What do y'all think of College Station as a town and Kyle Field as a venue? On TV, it looks pretty damn cool. They've got it loud. They got it bumping. Our boy, Clay Travis, who we all, who we all like, um, was there last weekend and, and cannot stop raving about it. Um, I've never been, never been within a hundred, couple hundred miles of it. You guys got any opinions? I I've never
2: been, um, but they're weirdos. Okay. They, they have <laughs> yell practices on Friday nights. You lived with me in college. There might've been some yelling on Friday nights. We sure shit. did not need to practice it. Okay. <laughs> they they're, it's just a strange crowd. It, they're just strange people. It's it's actually a decent school. Never been to the town, but the whole fake military thing I find slightly annoying too. Um, I, I, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things to to pick on them about.
0: I've I've never been to College Station, but it sounds like at some point we're going to have to make a field trip there and take the old Pepsi challenge. But yeah, I read the same thing you did. Clay Travis said the Sky Suites at Kyle Field are nicer than probably any sky suite that he's been to in the NFL uh, as well. So there's a lot of money being pumped in there it continues to campus grows. Uh, you know, unfortunately they're probably going to have to pull some of that money back to pay a really large buyout in the near future. Yeah. All the money, the, all their money they're pumping is not doing anything
2: on the field. And, and you're exactly right. At what point we've talked about this ad nauseum, but at what point do you just say, all right, enough of this shit, take your hell out of town.
0: I saw something that said if they just raised the price of like uh, hot dogs in the stadium, it would only take another two years to get uh, Jimbo's buyout.
2: Large <laughs> admission to Yale practice. Pass the hat around.
1: Switching gears to a different conference, the, a- the ACC. Three teams left undefeated, not named Clemson, which I guess would be a pretty su- a surprise this time of the year. They've got the number 4-ranked team, FSU, the 12th-ranked team, UNC, and the 14th-ranked team, Louisville. Um, are we impressed with the ACC? Do they have any staying power? One of those three have a chance of being one of the final four teams left standing.
2: Yes, they do have a chance. Am I impressed with them? No. And I'll just start with Florida State, and they're getting all the accolades. They're not a not a bad team, but. They beat a uh, LSU team that we don't know how good – we don't know anything about LSU. LSU went down to the wire with Arkansas this past weekend. Mizzou. LSU, it's Mizzou. Mizzou I'm, I'm, you're right. Fact checker
1: jumped on him quick. Good job, Larry. Yep.
2: yep. Um, LSU has not looked great. Their second biggest win, or maybe their biggest win, Florida State that is, is against a not good Clemson team that barely beat Wake this weekend, I believe. So, I, I don't know. We don't know anything about FSU. They, they they could be fantastic. They barely beat Boston College. So, show me something there. I'll Lawrence, I'll let you
0: take the rest of it. Well, I'll, just to back up about LSU, we do know about LSU. We know LSU can't play defense. LSU and USC have the two worst defenses that I've seen all season long. They're giving up, I think, 40-something points a game the last couple of weeks. Um, so that being said, I think, I think FSU probably the cream of the crop there, but what we I, what I really think we don't know about is this Louisville team, right? Jeff Brom came in, uh, he built a team through the transfer portal. They should have lost in week one against Georgia tech. They beat Notre Dame, which you know had three, you know, we call it big games, right? Ohio state, obviously a big game is Notre Dame Duke really a big game, even if it's game day. Uh, and then they go on the was like, it? Is in Louisville. Um, you know, against an undefeated Louisville team, Louisville takes care of business. So maybe Notre Dame was worn out. I still think that I think Louisville is the is the biggest unknown at this point, and they're going on the road at Pitt this week. And there's a lot of talk about a big letdown uh and the Pitt Panthers uh taking them down. Time will tell. We'll see what happens.
1: Um other game I have on the sheet that you you did mention, uh, Gans was that USC Arizona game. USC they're not going to be there at the end. Caleb Williams will have his numbers and he'll probably be in New York. But their defense is just god awful. They'll, they'll trip up along the way. Do we do we think any different than that? I mean, anybody have confidence in Lincoln Riley's then, team being there at the end?
2: No, and, and I think every sports writer wants them to lose because they don't want to put Caleb Williams in New York again. They, I watched some of that game. I would love USC to make the playoffs. Uh, I'd love, remember we talked about this last year. We were disappointed when they lost to Utah in, in the um, Pac-12 championship because they would have, they would have bounced all out of state and we would have beat the hell out of them. I hope that they could go undefeated, but I watched their Arizona state game. Um, it, it was a, a, a shootout with Arizona state. And then, and that was at, that was in Tempe. And then this past week they played Arizona in, you know, in, in uh, the Coliseum and they were getting their ass kicked. I mean, Look, they came back, and and they won in three overtimes. But, yeah, they're going to lose to somebody.
0: You know, Gans. Yeah, co-sign on that one. Uh, You you can't win a championship when your defense is a sieve. There
1: you go. I was going to say that, you know, Gans, we made a point last week that uh, Coach Prime was getting his last bit of airtime on the show, uh, and he did not make the outline, but Lawrence just can't help himself. Lawrence had to bring (laughs) up. Coach Prime, in one way, shape, or form, and now he is seven for seven. He has made every
0: single one of these episodes. You'd love him too much, Lawrence. Hey, man, uh, listen, he, he, how can you not talk about Coach Prime? They go into, they go in and beat Arizona State, and Shador Sanders is he's taunting a one-in-five uh, Sparky team with his Rolex at the student section at the end of the game. It's uh, pure comedy
1: which now all the kids in Graham's grade are walking around pointing to their wrist, calling themselves, uh, you know, Shador and and drawing watches on their wrist. It's just, it's just
2: insane. Uh, All right. Coach prime in October is him asking where McCarver at (laughs) dynamite drop, dynamite drop
0: in.
1: There you go. There you go. All right. So next week's slate of games is a little bit of a letdown. If I'm being honest, looking ahead, George's got Vandy, which traditionally is a very fun game to go to. Lawrence, you've gone many, many years in a row to Nashville. The game is really an after, an afterthought to the whole weekend's festivities. Um, it's not going to be close. It's going to be a runaway. It's going to be pad your stats, get people healthy, get people right. Um, don't y'all think? I mean, is there is there any
0: compelling storyline other than just that? Well, it's ha- half a stadium uh because they're doing renovations in Vanderbilt. Uh, It usually turns out to be 95% Georgia. This is where Vanderbilt fans get their money back on their season tickets. They buy season tickets so they can sell them to Georgia fans. And it ends up being 95% Georgia fans. This is a uh, name your number type game. I think the spread last I saw was like 32 and a half. I think it's another 50 burger, Um, you know, I don't think Mandy's scored on us in two years. It's probably gonna be three after this one. You know, maybe we'll be nice to let him get a touchdown. Uh, shout out to to Griff and Katie and uh, make them feel good that they get on the scoreboard with the doors this weekend.
2: Yeah, I echo your statement. I it, it always is a great trip, you know, three and a half hour drive from Atlanta, fun town. I, I considered going, um not for a variety of reasons. But with the stadium under construction, like the thing I'm most excited to see is like the progress they've made from an architectural standpoint. I think that'll be the most interesting thing in the game. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a pick your score, pad your stats. Carson Beck will get us 300 yards before halftime. Well, Brock will be at 120. They'll, they'll pull them all at halftime. You're going to see a lot of the other Brock, Brock Jr., um, in the second half, and Gunnar Stockton, perhaps Graham Stein might play.
1: <laughs> Speaking of Graham Stein, we'll use that segue uh to the Jstein injury report that fortunately for the dogs is is shrinking each week. There's getting fewer and fewer individuals on the list and some people are getting off the list. We saw Kendall Milton back last week, which was great. Lads back, Bullard back. Um, you know, in in terms of people that are now doubtful, the big name is Rod Rod Robinson for next week. Probably won't play. I mean, why would you risk putting somebody in at, at this game? So um, Graham Stein though is getting better. He got a couple abs in the baseball tournament over the weekend. Played basketball tonight, so he is uh, he's quickly getting back to where he needs to be, which is uh, which is a very good thing. Um, the the biggest game next week that I'm excited about is is Oregon Washington, two top ten teams. Uh, our boy Dan Lanning, who we who we do speak a lot about uh, and, and like and follow, has got a chance to really put a stamp on that program season. Um, I don't know who's favored. I don't know where the game's at. I should have done, done that homework, but uh, I'll be watching. In
0: Seattle. Yeah, all very good questions. I don't know what the line is either. I think I think Washington is two and a half. I don't know. I Listen, I'm not prepared today. I apologize.
1: You got one job, Lawrence. You got one job. I
0: know, I know. I was just trying to look quickly, but I wasn't able to pull it off fast enough. I'll report it. I'll report back later. Yeah, um. Did-
2: I am excited about that game day is going to be there. I, I've never been to uh, either school, but, yeah, I believe it's in Seattle. I believe that's where they're reporting from. By the way, Georgia is 31 and a half. I'm, I'm scrolling through here, Lawrence, to uh, –
0: Washington's minus three. Okay. Uh, Michael Michael Penix, Jr., and the Washington Huskies are a three-point favorite, which is just the number you get for being the home team. So, essentially is, a pick
1: is, is this Penix versus Bopex? Is that what this is going to be interesting, it's, right. it's a
0: matchup of uh, of uh, you know, Heisman. Uh, these, both these guys are getting Heisman talk. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, quite frankly, I haven't seen a ton of Washington play this year. Uh, we all watched Oregon pick apart Coach Prime a few weeks back. Um, I think I'll be pulling for Oregon in this one, but it'll be exciting to see these two teams play. No idea what time the kickoff is, but it'll be a fun one. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. You
2: know, maybe that's actually something, and I don't think it's on the, uh, it's not on our, our outline for tonight, but, uh, you know, one question I would posit to you guys on the Heisman talk will Brock Bowers be in New York? Yes. Yes. He's talking to the was one of my preseason picks.
0: Too. Yeah, one of my preseason Heisman picks. Well, will so Carson Beck be in New York?
1: Not both. One of the two will be, and it'll go to his lifetime achievement to Brock. Uh, also, shout out to Dog Nation's Brandon Adams for coining this month Brock Tober. I'm um, yeah. kind of angry that we didn't come up with that. That feels like something that we'd come up with. Uh, but it is Brock and he begins his mission to uh, New York. I do think
2: he ends up there. Um, Brock December and Brock January as well, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. hey, we get, we get Bob Tober. Yeah. The
1: game close closer to home that I also will be looking for to see the outcome is Tennessee versus Texas A&M. The loser of that game season is shot and it's over and the coach is going to be even more called out than he is right now. So that is a must win game for both those teams. And who the hell knows how it's going to play out?
2: Tennessee's three and a half point favorites. I would give them the slight advantage just being in Neyland. Um, But I totally agree that they're going to lose one of those teams is going to lose their their season and lose their fan base. Um It'd be interesting to see, but if you if you have Tennessee as a three and a half point favorite today, and I, I recognize things will change at home, what is the Tennessee Georgia line on November seventeenth? Is it dogs minus ten? Time shall tell.
0: Time yeah, shall I, tell. I would have to think so. It's going to be an interesting game to see how Texas A&M responds after the Alabama game. You know, do they fight for Coach Jimbo or do they lay down? Uh, quite frankly Tennessee hasn't been impressive i mean obviously they lost to florida we've know, we've now know for sure Florida's not a good football team um they're playing south carolina this weekend um and i'm sure they're going to get smoked by uh by cocky uh, in uh, in columbia i think you're right i am just going to go on the record i got
2: AM winning uh this weekend at tennessee
1: all right, Lawrence, I know that we, we, you got some work to get back to. you got people to go entertain, so let's wrap this up with uh, with your favorite segment, the listener's favorite segment, the Sucker Bet of the Week. Last week, we were unable to do it on, on air, right? You had to yep. post the Facebook, Facebook yep. page. So,
0: How did it turn out? <laughs> the Sucker Bet, uh, quite frankly, got slapped around a little bit. Uh, uh, I took uh-uh. the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the battle for the little brown jug, and listen, to be honest um, – Michigan has probably been one of the more dominant teams so far. They haven't played anybody, but they're beating the crap out of everybody. Uh, and they continue that on the road. They beat the crap out of Minnesota. I got to get it right this week. But listen, I, I also, I mean, the, the true sucker bet, which I, which we talked about, which I didn't call, was Kentucky. Georgia was the right pick. Uh, we knew they were going to blow them out. I wish I would have put that one, uh, memorialized that one and made it my official pick, but uh, lessons learned. So, Going into to this weekend, there's a few games that I that I was looking at. And the one that I think I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, is uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of talk about a letdown game for Louisville. Uh, Pitts at home, they're getting over a touchdown. They're getting seven in a hook. Um, and I think Pitts the sucker. I think Louisville stays strong. I think they build off the win against Notre Dame. And I think they take care of business on the road against the Pitt Panthers. Sad to say,
2: I think I agree with you. Um, so not, I, I can't take the other side of that. But yeah, that 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 sounds a little suckers to me too.
1: So if you two are in agreement, does that mean the whole world should take the other side of that one? That's right. Is that just on the other on side? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Good stuff as always. Um, appreciate y'all hopping on. Appreciate everybody listening. Lawrence, go back and do your work, man. Go, go, go make some money.
2: And, All right, um, gentlemen. One, one quick closing comment. I saw something on the interwebs today that Georgia is now holds the SEC record for the longest consecutive streak at number one in the AP poll at 17 weeks, uh, which I think we could safely say will continue to at least 19 weeks at this point. So uh, very impressive. Bottom line, we rule. Say
0: about that, Jason? What's that? It's good to be the king. Right.
1: And with that, we will sign off. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Go dogs. See you next week. And as always, keep chopping. Later, boys. Go Braves. Go Braves.